We're on our wrap-up lesson on Fearless, and, <clears throat> and Gavin, it was cool to see you singing to Fearless here just a moment ago. And I saw you singing to Fearless, too. That was awesome. And your mama did a good job, and your daddy did a good job, and so there's a Fearless family right here. So praise God for the Cole family. Amen. So this is our wrap-up series, which means it's the longest of them all. And so I, I'm longest sermon. I'm kidding. Not really. We're, we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and Luke 22 uh, through 23, verse 9. And so we're going to be uh, looking at what it means to live a life that is not hindered by unnecessary fears. We've recognized that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so if, as we've gone through this series, if you haven't been able to be here for any of that, then I encourage you either download the app, McCord Road Church app on iTunes or on the App Store. Sorry, not iTunes, the App Store. And then or you can also listen to it online. It's all available for you. I encourage you to, to take advantage of that. But in week one, we put fear into context. Meaning that natural fear, it keeps us alive. Fear of heights keeps us from jumping off of high things. But then number two, it also, unnecessary fears can hinder us from using our gifts, our talents, our callings from God. We, we hold back because we're afraid of jumping in. And then week number two, we talked about the spirit of power. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane looked powerless but actually was all powerful in that particular moment. And then in week number three, last week, we talked about the spirit of love. Jesus was on the cross and he saw those that were gambling for his clothes. And the scripture tells us that when he should have and could have chosen hate, instead he chose to love them and forgive them. And so this is this is where we've been. But now... We're in the power or the spirit of a sound mind. And when we talk about the spirit of a sound mind, this is my personal favorite. Because there's been many times in my life if I've wondered if I was doing the right thing or not. If I was making the right choice or not. And so the power of God, the power of God is the ability to act. It's that, that authority to act, that, that knowledge that we have something to draw from. That will allow us to act in a particular moment. We're not powerless. We're powerful. And then love is that a deep affection that God puts into his children that allows us to act in a selfless manner at times when it seems like we would normally act in a selfish manner. That spirit of love takes over and we're able to, to do something good with the power that we have. But the spirit of the sound mind, in my opinion, is the fulcrum between those two. It's where those two come together, where those two meet. And it's when we make the decisions that are in our life. And here's, here's something to write down. It says, the spirit of a sound mind is the ability to think clearly in order to make right choices. The ability to think clearly in order to make right choices. Now, you might be saying, wait a minute, you're about to preach and teach to us about using the spirit of a sound mind to make right choices. And you chose to wear that to wear that shirt this morning. You you chose that. Well, thank you. The uh, some people like it. So that's that's good. And I did choose to make to wear this shirt this morning all by myself. I didn't have any help today. But see, 
I didn't choose to wear the skinny jeans that go with this outfit. Because you're not ready for that. Not ready. You may never be ready for that, actually. Uh, Thinking about it, it's possible that that should never actually happen. It's the ability to see a, a possible option and choose to do the right thing. That's what a clear or a sound mind is all about. Our text for the series, which we've read, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So here's something to write down. Take a picture of the screen, however you need to capture the information. God's gift of a sound mind gives you the ability to manage every other authority in your life to make positive impact. See, as a husband, as a father, I have some authorities that I can choose to exercise or not. But sometimes exercising an authority will not positively impact the situation. Have you ever made a choice? Have you ever used authority in a way that really detracted? It did not impact positively. It made everything worse. So have I. A sound mind gives us the ability to make a choice that, that makes or brings a positive impact. So today I want to tell us that every child of God has the ability to be a good decision maker. A good decision maker. And I have three thoughts for us today on that. And thought number one is this. God has empowered you for good decision making in every situation. Every single one of them. Jesus, Jesus exercised his power in the garden. He said, I am he and they fell onto the ground. And then over here on the cross... His love was shown as he hung there and he forgave us and he paid the price for our sins. But in between the garden and the cross was the courtroom. And in the courtroom, Jesus exhibited the spirit of a sound mind. The issue was now known and a decision had to be made. And Jesus knew that his answers to Pilate, they were going to determine where he was going to end up. Until this particular moment, the soldiers had not been decision makers. And once he was on the cross, the decision had already been made. So now he's standing in front of the decision maker in this moment and he's having to answer these questions and he knew that this decision maker, how he responded would determine his future. So here's something for us today, that the moments between discovery and decision is the dominion of a sound mind. The discovery of Jesus, the decision on the cross, but this time in between is the dominion of a sound mind. It's where that decision has to be made. Let's look at how Jesus dealt with this. 
Luke chapter 22, verse number 67, we pick it up, pick up the story. And now this is Pilate speaking to Jesus. And he says, if you are the Christ, tell us. But Jesus said to them, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. He says, there's nothing I can say to you to make you believe. So Jesus in this moment judges his audience correctly. A sound mind allows him to look at the audience correctly. There are some things as parents that our children don't need to know. As young people... With, with social media such a big deal in our world, there are some things that the entire universe doesn't need to know about you or me. A sound mind says, who's the audience here? Well, I want my friend Susie to know what's going on in my world. That's cool. It's good for Susie to know what's going on in your world. But there's this really weird guy named Jim that's also got to know what's in your world. If you're not careful with what you put on social media and how you put it on social media, judge your audience correctly. I apologize to all the gyms in the room. (laughs) Luke 22, verse 68 tells us this. And Jesus continuing to speak. If I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. So Jesus was able to clearly understand his situation. He knew his audience and he clearly understood the situation. There's no way you're letting me go out of this. I'm not going to be set free here. And I know that. The next verse says, hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. So he knew, he knew the situation. He understood his audience. And he said, I know my destiny. I know where I'm going. Then they said to him, Are you then the Son of God? And he responds to them saying, You rightly say that I am. So he was bold in his declaration. You see, this spirit of a sound mind is an operation in his life. He can see who he's talking to. He can understand his situation. He knows his destiny. He's bold in his declaration. And then watch what happens. It says he questioned, then he, Pilate, questioned him, Jesus, with many words, but he answered him nothing. He was confident enough in himself to stay silent. Have you ever asked someone a question that it instantly became obvious that they did not know the answer? But it did not stop them from talking for a long time about what they did not know? You might think that every time you come to church on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Sometimes the most fearless thing we can do is just stay silent. You see, Jesus could have stopped this whole thing at any time with a word, with a thought, just a declaration of who he was, set them all back. If he had, he, he, he had all power and authority, he could have stopped it all, but he did a cost to benefit ratio in this moment. He said, I've got to see what it is clearly that I'm trying to accomplish here. In this moment of stress, in this moment of anxiety, what am I trying to do? And he said, here I am, one life. And if I die, then all of mankind has the opportunity for salvation. 
So I could save myself and all of humanity would be lost. Or I could give myself and all of humanity has the ability to be saved. And Jesus said, that's a good deal. And he gave himself to the cross. Now you say and I say that I don't always make the right decisions. And I would say that that's true. We don't. But we can. Look at what James tells us in James 1. It says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires, they give birth to sinful or wrong actions, wrong decisions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, if you don't write anything else down I'm saying today, if you don't take another picture of a screen, I'm asking you to, to, to capture this this morning because I think it will help you ongoing. It's, uh, temptation creates tension between what we want and what we know. This creates confusion by distorting reality until wrong looks right. I've had so many people over the years say, Pastor, you know, when, in hindsight, I knew it wasn't a good thing to do, but I just, he was so cute. <laughs> she was so beautiful. I, I, I knew that it wasn't the right thing to do, but I, I, I invested anyway because I really wanted that car. See, I knew the right thing to do would be leave the money in the bank. But then there's this car. And what a car it was. And so what I know and what I want are at odds with one another. And temptation causes me to look over here and go, Yeah, but I want it. See, I know the right thing to do, but oh, I want it. I want that. I want that. I want that. That's what temptation is. And that's where sin comes into our lives and draws each one of us. No one has ever been, ever been forced to sin or to make a wrong choice. It's just that what we want became a greater pull than what we know and we succumbed. But here's the good news. You get to choose what you see. You get to choose what you see. That's thought number two. A sound mind looks past confusion to see truth. Oh, I hope that this translates well this morning. Fear fights a sound mind by creating a moral dilemma. Moral dilemma might look something like this. I love my son so... I invested my son, but I don't see good things coming out of my son. So what do I do? Do I just keep keep in, uh, investing in them? Do I keep do I keep? 
Sometimes I've had parents come to me with children and say, Pastor, I know my, my child should be out of the house. I know my, my child should be doing their thing, but they're just living at home and they don't really have a job and, and they're not really, doesn't seem like they're going anywhere and, and so on and so forth. And, and of course, my question always is, you know, how, how old is your child? And, and when the answer is 41, I think, yeah, we need to do something about this. Now, there are times when that's going to be the case, and there are times when that needs to be the case, and it's the right thing to do. And I'm not judging anybody's uh, particular... I can't judge everyone's particular situation uniquely, but, uh, but here, here's the fact. Sometimes we say yes, 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 because we don't want them to hurt, and we don't want them to feel pain, and we don't want them to be afraid, and we want everything to be okay for them, because we love them, we love them, we love them. But here is a truth. One day you are going to be gone from this earth, and there's no one going to take them in and love you like, love them like you do. And so the best thing they might should hear from you is, You need to find a place to live on your own, and you need to support yourself at some point. You might want to introduce it with, I believe you can fly. (laughs) The confusion is, I love them and I care about them, but I don't want to support them for the rest of their lives. And the truth is you will not support them for the rest of their lives. And so they must learn how to live on their own. Fear fights a sound mind by elevating the unimportant. Today's culture, we fight this battle of style versus substance. Oh yeah, we do. A young person might try to figure out, they're caught in this battle of, do I pay my tuition bill? Or do I put those sweet rims on that car? Now you think, well, that's just, that's a ridiculous question. Oh, but it's one that's asked often. You see, the style is good. There's nothing wrong with the style. But it's going to go in and then it's going to go out. You might put those 15-inch spinners on your Mazda right now. And it'll be cool for a minute. I don't even know if spinners are in anymore. I don't know if you can put a 15-inch rim on a Mazda at all. I know very little about this. But let's just say you can. Here's the fact of the matter. One day, they're going to wear out anyway. Your education is going to support you for the rest of your life. It's going to bless you and your children and your children's children. Have all the spinners you want and put it on a Mercedes-Benz if you'd like. You can jack the Mercedes-Benz up and play music and make it do like this if you want to. That's all good, but make sure you have the substance to support the style. There's nothing worse than style that collapses because substance wasn't established first. But fear will see you, cause you to see the lack versus the important. The truth is the important has lasting impact while the unimportant will, will need to be replaced or replenished consistently. 
Maybe you're saying, yeah, that's a ridiculous question. It rims over. Well, don't, don't think about the rims. Think about whatever it is in your life. What is it in your life? Is it your golf game? Benton, you're going to have to come preach next week because they're not going to want me back anymore. <laughs> it, it, what is it? Okay, moving on. Fear fights a sound mind by promoting unrealistic expectations. Parents sometimes can expect more from their child than their child can or wants to produce. Spouses can sometimes expect more from one, one another than what is real, realistic or reasonable. Young people can sometimes try to create a CW romance where no one has any acne and everybody glows slightly. You, you do different things. It, it's, it's all different, but it's still unrealistic expectations. So fear causes us to hold on to these unrealistic expectations. And it, it, it leads us to disappointments and diminishing faith. How many people have I counseled with that have said, I love them. I thought they were mine forever. I thought they were, we were soulmates. And, and now it just didn't work out. I guess I'll be alone for the rest of my life. And, you know, and they're 12. <laughs> Unrealistic expectations. The truth is, life is going to have ups and it's going to have downs. And that's okay. Psalms 37 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. The ups, He's there. The downs, He's there. He's there through it all. Jesus saw the truth concerning His sacrifice. He he knew that He would die a gruesome death. He knew that it was going to take hour after hour after hour. And yet He knew that He would also live eternally at the right hand of the Father. He said, it's worth walking through this pain and agony to get to where I'm going. He saw past the confusion to the truth. Can I say, give you thought number three, and that is one good decision can change destinies. God placed these resources in your life and in mine in order for us to counteract or, or overcome this spirit of fear that tries to control our lives. But see, here's what's interesting. Was Jesus... Afraid at all in this moment? In the courtroom, was he afraid of the pain? Did he experience the pain? And the answer is yes. And what we'd all like to believe is that, well, that doesn't really help me, Pastor. You told me that if if you come to listen to this series, especially this last one, then what's going to end up happening is I'm going to live out the rest of my days. I'm not going to have any more fear. I'm not going to have any more pain. Everything's going to come up roses. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to be whistling Dixie. That's what I would say. I'm going to be whistling Dixie and everything's going to be good. And I would tell you that that's not realistic. 
I would tell you that living a fearless life is not about having no fear, but it's about not allowing fear to control you. You will feel it, but you will control it. Did Jesus have fear in the courtroom? I can only imagine that he did. And yet he still made right choices. Jesus beat fear. And what he got from beating fear was crucifixion. Now in this moment, the enemy thought that he had beaten Jesus. He he thought he won. You see, he'd been working everything out this entire time in order to get Jesus in this very moment so that he could put Jesus on that very cross. But now Jesus is dead. And hell is having a party. It looks like everything has gone their way and and everything has worked out until they saw something that they never believed that they would see. Jesus, the Scripture tells us, went down. (laughs) He went down into death, hell, and the grave. Now Satan sees Jesus and, and he begins to do what he always does, and and that is he's going to capture him because every soul that has ever gone down has stayed there. But when he looks at Jesus, he's looking for the pain of sin or the punishment for sin, and that is death. Death has been paid, so now all he has to do is put the sin with the payment, and he's got him. But when Satan begins to examine the life of Jesus from this angle and examine the life of Jesus from this angle and from this angle, he finds no sin. And the scripture tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day has not happened yet. But on the day that we're talking about right now, and I'm just, I'm just imagining how this went. I'm imagining that Satan realized that, that Jesus had no sin. And Jesus says, give me your keys. You see, Satan up to to that point had had authority over death, hell, and the grave. But now his knee had to bow. And his tongue had to confess before the one who was mightier than all. And I believe he reached into his proverbial pocket and he pulled out these keys and he handed them to Jesus Christ. And he no longer had any authority. Jesus now had all authority over death, over hell, over the grave. And Satan could not keep him. Three days later, Jesus got up from the dead. And then a few days from there, he rose and ascended from earth into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. You see, he made a choice and his choice changed the destiny. It changed the destiny of mankind. It changed your destiny and mine because now we can come to the throne of grace with, with authority and with boldness and say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and my Savior. And Scripture promises us that he will save 
our soul. One decision changed destinies. What destiny could you be shifting this morning with the decision that God is calling you to make? With the decision that's before you, could it be the the destiny of your children and your children's children? Could it be the destiny of your company? Could it be the destiny of your home? Could it be the destiny of your own life? One decision can change a destiny. means that the choice is yours today and it is mine musicians if you would come as we close this service today I'll ask you to bow your heads there's a heavy spirit in the house right now I, I feel a, a heaviness it's very, po- very positive but I feel like the presence of the Lord is here And as I say that, I just ask you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me in this service? Through this sermon. Some of you may have waited a long time to choose a church home and really connect with other believers. Because you've been afraid. Some things have gone on in your past. You've had bad experiences in churches and... And so fear has kept you from connecting with people. I encourage you this morning, live fearless. Make a choice. Some of you have... You've wanted to say yes to helping in kids' ministry as a volunteer. And yet you've, you've pulled back because, you know, and historically that hasn't gone well for you. And so... But most of us deal with... Decisions that are outside of this room. I'm just going to remain silent here for a moment. And I'm going to ask you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What decision needs to be made in your life? you don't spend 10 minutes on a five minute problem have confidence in God's ability to make a decision in you we're going to stand at our feet and we're going to worship together this morning as we close this service and as we do I just ask you to leave your heart and your mind open to the voice of God. The elders are going to come forward right now. If you have a need in your life, doesn't matter what it may be. Maybe it's something to do with this series and maybe it's not at all. But as we begin to sing, I encourage you, come forward. And let someone pray with you, agree with you in prayer for your need. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this house right now. Draw us close to you. Let us not operate in fear. In Jesus' name.